You know, as you watch that video of the faces of, uh, you know, many people around Asia Pacific and really around the world, you know, I don't know if you saw some of the words that jumped out there, but one of the words that jumped out was the word yes. You know, today I'm going to talk about what, it's, what it means to follow Jesus. I'm going to use his own words in a minute, read a scripture to you from Luke 9, verses 57 through 62. But before I start, I just want you to know that following Jesus is a series of yeses. I wish I could tell you it was just one time saying yes to him, and that was it. You know, whenever I feel like I'm getting comfortable, whenever I feel like, you know, I've, I've found that thing, there's all of a sudden another ask from the Lord, and it's an ask that I need to say yes to. You know, for some of you students, your yes was coming here to NCU. Your yes was maybe joining a ministry team and going out on weekends or some other practical ministry that you do during the week. But I want you to know that following Jesus and saying yes to Him never ends. We've always got to be on the edge of the next yes to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me read you what Jesus Himself said in Luke 9, 57-62. And for a moment as I read this Scripture you know, one of the weird things I do in my devotions is, as I'm reading through the Bible, I always like to imagine I'm there. I don't know. I have a, like a, a vivid imagination. So I always like to try to imagine I'm there. And, you know, one of the things that Jesus and his disciples did was they walked places. I mean, I don't know if you realize this, but they walked everywhere, and it wasn't short distances, it was long distances, and as they walked, they talked, and they, 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 they observed, and all kinds of things happened, and I've often said to myself, I wish, if I could go back in time, I would love to walk with Jesus and his disciples from, you know, Capernaum down to Jerusalem. I wouldn't need to say anything, I wouldn't need to ask Jesus any of my hard questions, I just would want to be there and walk with them. And so as I read this scripture today, I want you to imagine yourself that you're on this walk with Jesus because this is what was going on. They were on a walk and some people interacted with Jesus. And here's what it says. Luke 9, 57. As they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, Foxes have dens to live in, and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. He said to another person, come follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. So if you feel a little uncomfortable, it's okay. Because every time I read this, I feel a little bit uncomfortable. You know, I, I think when we imagine who Jesus is, we kind of, I think we like the warm, nice, and friendly Jesus, right? 
I know that's me. But there's like parts of Scripture when you read things that he said. He says hard things sometimes. Matter of fact, he says things that we don't like. Matter of fact, out of the three people that he interacted with, I don't like two of the three for sure, okay? But let's interact with this and see really what it means for us when we talk about following him and saying yes to his ask for us. So the beauty of the following, let me just say here that as we say yes to Jesus, our life becomes more beautiful. As we say yes to Jesus, the people around us, their lives become more beautiful. There is a beauty in the follow of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the first thing is that the beauty of the follow should challenge our place. I'm going to say it again. The beauty of the follow should challenge our place. So let's talk about the first person that Jesus interacted with. And, um, you know, here this guy says, you know, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but I don't even have a place to lay my head. Now, how many of you think foxes are like kind of cute and furry and you'd want to pet one and they're really nice, right? Totally. I could live with a fox, right? Okay, I don't know if you know this or not, but foxes are on par with skunks when it comes to how bad they smell. Did you know that? Yes, foxes stink. So if you ever smell something stinky, it's either a skunk or a fox. So he's saying, you know, that my place is lower than a fox's den. He was trying to give this image to his disciples that when it comes to following Jesus, sometimes the places that he calls us to are even more difficult than living inside of a fox's den. And, and I want to just say here that the difficult places to reach sometimes are almost like fox's dens to get to. You know, and I, I want to just uh, share a, a story you know, while my wife and I, our family, we served in Indonesia, um, Indonesia was known as a lot of natural disasters. You know, we, we had everything, you know, earthquakes, tsunamis, volcanic eruptions, and things like that. And uh, one of the lesser tsunamis that didn't get a lot of media attention globally happened in an island chain called Mentawe and uh, wiped out like whole islands and wiped out just just whole, you know, there, it wasn't a heavily populated island chain, so when it wiped out a village of a thousand people, you know, it, like I said, it just didn't make the media, you know. So we heard about this, knew about the tsunami, and we mobilized our team there and, um, you know, went into action, and we were going to bring them uh, supplies, uh, tarps and tools and uh, clothes and all kinds of things like that. So we mobilized our team, and um, we, we went out, and it was a 32-hour boat ride from, like, one of the main islands out to this island chain. And so we took this 32-hour boat ride, and when we arrived at the island, the one particular island we decided to serve, a lot had been wiped out, but we only had resources to help one. So we went to one place. We were going to help it. And the only way to get the, the, the things we were going to give out into the island was on dugout canoes because... Um, you know, there was no place to dock this boat that we were on. We had chartered this wooden boat, right? 
And so we're, we're bridging these supplies into shore, and we had landed a whole bunch of the hard tack things, we'll call it, you know, the, the tarps and the tools and all these things like that. And as I'm standing in the hold of the boat, my eyes were level with the deck, and I see grappling hooks come over the side of the boat, and pirates boarded our ship. Now, somebody said, how did you know they were pirates? And I said, well, the first guy overboard had a patch on and on his eye, a wooden leg, and a parrot on his shoulder. No, I'm totally kidding, okay? Um, how did I know they were pirates? Well, they came on board, and they stole everything we had. <laughs> so, you know, the, the, one of my guys on top, when he saw the pirates, he goes to me, quick, hide, you know? So I went and I tried to hide, but the ship was not very big. So, you know, the pirates eventually dragged me up on deck and they said to my guy, I pretended like I couldn't speak the language, but I could hear him. And they said, well, should we kidnap this guy or not? And my friend said, don't kidnap him. He's a lot of trouble, actually. <laughs> He'll complain a lot. Plus, he has no money. So they're like, okay, if he doesn't have any money, then let's leave him behind, you know. Thank God for being a missionary with no money, you know, hallelujah. So we were distraught because not only did they take all whatever money was on board, they took all of our food supplies for the week, our fresh water, everything we had was loaded up in their ship and they took it all. So then I took one of the dugout canoes to go in to tell everybody me and the team went in and we said, hey, we, we just got robbed of everything. I don't think we can stay here. And while we were doing that, the ship that took us to the island got afraid and deserted us on the island. You know, it's a romantic, you know, how many of you ever had this like romantic idea of getting stranded on a desert island? Now, some of us are like, how cool would that be, right? No, it is not cool, okay? We had no food, no water, you know, nothing. And, and one of the church members we were all like, we're stranded. I, we don't even know how we're going to get back. And so I, on our missions trips, I was always like, no cell phones, no communications, you know. So one of my church members who was a businessman in Indonesia, he steps forward. He's like, I know you told us not to bring any phones, but I brought a satellite phone because I was just worried. We were like, thank God we're saved. You know, thank you for not listening to us. So we were stranded there for over a week. But as we ministered to those people without food, without a place to sleep, every family, every family on that island lost somebody. You know, tsunamis, when they come through, they kill the young and the old. The old aren't strong enough to hold on, and the young can't swim. Every family we visited our one-year-old baby was washed away. My grandmother, my grandfather. And during that whole week, we prayed for every single family on that island and spent time, and they said, we're glad you're here because we thought the whole world forgot about us. How do you get to a place that really stinks but has a lot of people that need Jesus, it's by saying yes. But you know, the way we got to that island wasn't because 
uh, of a yes that I said, you know, a, a week before that we're going to go and try to minister. It was a yes that I said when I was in university just like you. I didn't know there was an island out there that had people in it that needed help. At the moment, I was just saying, yes, I'll follow you wherever you ask me to go. And he said, Jeff, there's places like foxes holes that smell bad. There's islands with no food. There's places where there's nowhere to sleep. And yet there's people in those places that need my help, that need Jesus. See, the beauty of the follow is sometimes in the place, but the place is not beautiful in the eyes of mankind. Second beauty is the beauty of the follow should challenge our patience. The second person who asked to follow Christ gave the excuse they needed to bury their father. I think that's a reasonable request, right? I know to me it's like, of course, you should let this guy go and have a funeral with his family. But in reality, as many of you who've studied the Bible know, he wasn't, his father wasn't dead. He wanted to go home and wait until his father died at some point, and then he'd follow Jesus. So the beauty of the follow should challenge our patience, maybe not our patience, but the Lord's patience. The beauty in the follow sometimes is all about the timing. And the problem is that we think that our timing is the right timing. And we've got to submit our timepiece to the Lord. We've got to submit our schedule to the Lord. We've got to submit the balance of our lives to the Lord. Whether you're here to study ministry or business or education or whatever it is, we've all been charged with the beauty of the follow. And the timing has to be according to God's time. We often want it according to our time, not the Lord's. And oftentimes this is a big interruption. And and oftentimes this big interruption makes the smaller ones easier. The point Jesus was making is that in everything, there is a crucial moment. If that moment is missed, the thing most likely will never be done at all. The man in the story had stirrings in his heart to get out of his spiritually dead surroundings. If he missed that moment, he would never get out. Psychologists tell us that every time we have a feeling to act on something and do not act on it, the less likely we are to act on it at all. Instead of something happening, the emotion experienced becomes a substitute for the action itself. There should be an urgency in following the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what Jesus was really trying to communicate to his followers. The third beauty of the follow is that the beauty of the follow should challenge our priority. You know, the third one baffles me, actually, most of all. I I think, you know, I get the the theology or the the historical part of saying, I'm going to wait until my father dies and then bury him and then I'll follow you. But I I think this one disturbs me because he's just saying, can I go and say goodbye to my family? (laughs) It seems like a reasonable request. You know, our missionaries, when they go overseas, you know, a lot of the social media I see is them saying goodbye to their family at the airport with 10 suitcases, you know, and mom and dad are there and grandma and grandpa and everybody's off to see them go. So I'm not sure it's, it's that we can't say goodbye to our family. Or that we can't say that we love our family. But sometimes when the call of God comes on us, 
The beauty of the follow should challenge what our priorities are. And and as hard as this sounds, Jesus was saying that following Him is the highest priority that we should have. And that's difficult because we all would say we love our families. We want to make sure that they're high on our priority list. Our friends But then sometimes beyond our family and our friends, we would say it's our career, it's our safety, it's whatever we may put up as a block to saying yes to Jesus and following Him. But the beauty of the follow should challenge our priority. The question that begs to be answered is what is your life's priority or what is Christ asking you to do? It's a series of yeses that needs to come from our mouth. Knowing what the specific will of God is for you may be the greatest challenge of your life, figuring out what that is. But the human problem is that we think that God thinks like we think. And so we get something in our mind and we've kind of decided what our career trajectory would be, what our life trajectory would be, and then we ask God to bless our priorities rather than submitting ourselves to His priorities. You know, this happens even in missionary service. You know, it was kind of funny, you know, for me, my wife and I, we, in our early 20s, went to Indonesia largest Muslim country in the world, and man, I had plans, you know, I I had plans of what I was going to do, where I was going to plant the church, people I was going to win to Jesus, and so on and so forth, and when I learned that if I got on board with what God was doing, rather than inviting Him to get on board with what I was doing, things really changed. So I wonder today what the priority is in your life and saying yes. The beauty of the follow is when our priority fades and our desire for significance, our desire to transform the world fades and Christ transforming the world becomes clearly in focus. You know, I want to just read this final, uh, it's kind of like an email. It was a, a note sent to me just a few days ago But this is a family that's been serving in Asia Pacific now for a long time, and their yeses have added up. But these are some of the challenges. This just came to me a few days ago. This is real time. He wrote, today we had a bad encounter on the road. Three rascals, so I'm reading from him, rascals, he's an older guy, I guess, you know. (laughs) Three rascals came out of the bush about 100 feet ahead of me, one uh, with one brandishing a gun. I did not have much time to think, so I stopped on the road and I opened my window about a third of the way and rebuked the two that came to my side of the car in the name of the Lord, announcing we were Christians. The guy with the gun hesitated slightly, but had the gun pointed at my face. He was close enough that I grabbed the barrel of the gun and twisted it up toward the sky. The barrel twisted out of the rest of the gun. It turned out to be a homemade gun. Now, I just want to pause here. In a lot of countries where guns are illegal, 
they still make guns and get bullets. So this was still a gun that would shoot. It's just that it was poorly constructed. Thank God it came apart. He looked down at it like, what am I going to do now? The guy on, the, on my wife's side was striking her window with a large rock. Fortunately, it held up. As soon as I got the gun barrel, my wife shouted, go, go, and I did. And we are okay. I got a small ligament issue in my thumb and bruising on my arm, but I will be fine. I wasn't sure how much you want me to keep it under wraps. I understand more and more about sharing too much about episodes like this is I do not want to frighten my children, grandchildren, and other family members and other missionaries that are considering coming. Thank you for your prayers. We are good, but appreciate your prayers on our behalf. Our prayer when we travel is, Lord, help the enemy flee before us. I just did not realize how much we play a part in answers at this time. They were going to hold crusades and going to tell people about Jesus in the midst of that. You know, the beauty of the follow is something that's going to require us to answer that, the place, the patience, when, doing it immediately, the urgency, and lastly, knowing it's God's priority that we bring the gospel to people that have never heard. I want to invite you to stand. I'm going to close the time in chapel today. So let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. I, I know we'll, we will dismiss on time for sure. You'll be able to get to your classes. But if you don't have a class and you want to spend some time down here at the altar, I'll be here. I know a lot of my missionary colleagues and friends are here, uh, professors and others. We'll be down here to pray with you. But just bow your heads and close your eyes for a minute. I want you to imagine for a minute that you were walking down that dusty road in Galilee and Judea with Jesus. And you heard the conversations. What would your shout have been to Jesus? I'll follow you, Lord, wherever. I'll follow you, Lord. Can you say I'll follow you without even really knowing where? Can you surrender your timepiece to the Lord? Can you surrender your priority to the Lord? I just feel like there are people here that maybe have been holding back a yes from the Lord. It doesn't have to be, I'll go to the end of the earth. Maybe it's a yes in student ministries of some kind. Maybe it's a yes of, of just surrendering more of your life to Him, being more obedient to Him. And, and so what I want to just challenge you with today is that you'd whisper in your heart a resounding yes to Jesus today. Yes, Jesus, I will follow. Because the yeses today will turn into yeses tomorrow which will turn into yeses five and ten years from now. And your yes on top of your yes. And the, the beauty of your following Him will result 
in the beauty of your life and the beauty of the lives of many people around you. So, Lord Jesus, I pray for the students of North Central, and I just ask, Lord, that for those that are just struggling with their yes, that, Lord, you would help them today in that area, oh God. Lord, maybe some here have never even considered the where question. It's always been clear to them, this is where I'm going, this is what I'm doing. Lord, I pray that that would be surrendered here in this chapel today, God. And that the echoes in the hallways of North Central University would be, yes, I'll follow you, Lord. I'll follow you. So thank you for your word. Let it be a lamp unto our feet, light unto our path. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Go in the blessing of God. If you want to spend some time down here in prayer with us, we'll be down here with you. God bless you.